So welcome back to another, do we call these Psychology of Training? Yep. Who comes up with these names? Because I can never remember them. It's not that hard. Um. Anyway, so, Psychology a, of Training. Sorry. A, uh, oh, you were going to say that. Yeah. All right. Leave it off. So today we're talking about fear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you're a little bitch. Uh, everyone's a little bitch because every so often they're afraid of big weights. And I think we just need to acknowledge that. We were talking earlier about some of our opinions around fear and when we have athletes who talk to us about being afraid. Um, but our opinions and especially Gurf's opinion might not necessarily be correct. Or productive. Uh, yeah, or well, it might be productive, or, or productive for retaining members in seeker strength programs. Uh, yeah. So basically, right there is what we're going to talk about with fear is the kind of psychological blocking or choking, or in weightlifting we might call it clarking of lifts due to fear, um, or like a some a notable decrease in performance due to anxiety or fear. And like you can obviously, so we have like fear of weights. And then we could obviously we have people who are playing, for example, like contact sports who have yeah. a legitimate fear. Yeah. Oh my god. Where we would have a fear of being run into. Yeah. Like if you're playing rugby, and it is a fear. Someone running headfirst into you, or you yeah. headfirst into them, or you could be, you know, mixed martial arts, judo, wrestling, yeah, kickboxing, boxing, any of those times where you have a legitimate fear of being hurt. You know, so yeah. that's those fears are fears in basically all sports, but for in terms of like weightlifting or powerlifting. The fear is not necessarily a fear of the weights. Well, for some people it is, of course. Yeah. But, but for some people, when you really think about it, the fear is a fear of missing. Yeah. Of not doing it, which makes no sense. Like, why would you be afraid of a lift? And I think, yeah, I think definitely with, with weightlifting, it's very, very rarely the the kind of animalistic or the survival instinct thing of, I'm afraid I'm going to drop something on my head and hurt myself. Like, I think with squatting, that's definitely more of a thing, you know, that mm-hmm. people are afraid of unracking heavy weights, especially with people who are like maybe novices to heavier squatting um, or to one rep maxes or rep maxes in general, that they're afraid of getting hurt with the bar on their back. Um, like the thing of getting exposed to missing heavier weights, obviously it gets it makes it a lot easier. Uh, but the only way to get that exposure is to go in and make those misses um, or miss those makes. Obviously, then of course, if you have been injured while doing a certain lift, like uh, we don't see it a whole lot, but maybe once every yeah, Olymp- Olymp- Olympic cycle or two, we see a lifter with um, a dislocated elbow, like in the in the snatch or usually the snatch, sometimes clean and jerk, but not that often, mostly the snatch, um, where their fear is very legitimate. So their fear coming back to lifting, they've had the most catastrophic injury you could probably have in weightlifting, and they when they return to weights that are yeah. Most often, it's with people who are close to world records. So when they're returning to weights that are already difficult to lift, they're ending up somewhere where these weights are hard enough to lift by themselves, and then they've had a traumatic experience. Yeah, you know, for those. But for the vast majority of people, most people, for example, in just weightlifting and powerlifting, are just afraid of the weight because they yeah. they're kind of afraid of failure. I suppose when it comes down to really, like most of the time, you're not afraid that the snatch is going to hurt you. No, which is weird. It's a weird concept. Well, I, I think for for novices or people within their first like year or two years of or your mother watching. Yeah then your mother's afraid. Yeah. Uh, but like when you're getting used to lifting heavier weights and especially like if somebody's snatching 70 kilos or something and they're maybe six months beforehand or a year beforehand they were snatching 40 kilos. Like 70 kilos is just so vastly much, like so much vastly heavier than 
what 40 kilos was that like the weight the thing in their head of the weight falling is scary in inverted commas enough or it induces enough fear for there to be some sort of kind of negative reaction I think for fear if we're looking like today we'll probably just talk about weights and lifting in the gym and not so much the contact sports because we're not going to be able to tell someone how to get around not being afraid of tackling people with their face um, and we not? no how come? Because we just—that's a whole other issue. Uh, they've lost it. Like I think they've lost it. You can't get it back. You can't. You probably can't get it back, though. They do talk about. Yeah. Someone's saying like the average UFC career. I know, and UFC is not MMA, but it's a good example, like a high level MMA. Where yeah. they, it's like something like two and a half or three years or something. Yeah. Which would make sense. But you see when people start losing, uh, especially in boxing as well. Like so, I know this is a bit of a random tangent, but you see like usually when people heavyweight world champions or whatever boxing lose their title it's very rare they they ret- they get it back you know yeah. there's not so many I think there's only a handful of like um, Ali got it back uh, Tyson got it back I think and then I think it was one or two others so it's not often so when you lose it like and I know that's there's differences there with training and stuff but um, you do see weightlifters who who lose it and kind of come back yeah and then we have a funny case you know someone like Ilya who's he's like he seemed capable of weights um, yeah. where and he was, just wasn't making them. Like he was clearly fast enough. He clearly had the environment to train properly. His he, strength numbers were there. Yeah, he had a 260 front squat, but he couldn't make a 200 plus clean and jerk having made 50 kilos in excess of that before. Yeah. That fear then is kind of, um, his fear is, is crazy, you know, that's such a, yeah, that's kind of a hard that's fear. That's a to, much, much deeper. That's hard to watch. Like, yeah. That is, it's kind of, that's difficult to look at someone because you're like you can do it like you're fast you're strong yeah. you're mobile you have the time to train you have good support you're able to do this you know it that that's kind of yeah and I think the drugs thing yeah definitely affects that hugely like the very basis of fear is like how much you feel pain and I think something people don't realize with like performance enhancing drugs and with like a lot of the effect you get from people who are doping is like you're perceived pain or your tolerance for extremely high levels of pain goes through the roof Mm -hmm. so like a higher level of testosterone just having higher testosterone levels allows you to experience more pain it's the reason that stags during the rut will be able to gouge each other with their antlers and they'll just keep running around riding things for two weeks until they die until they die so like you can't negate the effect that something like that would have had on Ilya yeah you know, and like, and now he's going back to training and he is fucking ridiculous pain because he's five or six years older and he doesn't have any of the pharmacological aids. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not even getting into painkillers and pain meds. Yeah. Um, like, that's a legitimate fear, like. Yeah. Uh, so, if we talk, like, there's probably two big cases here, right, For that most people listening to this will have experienced or they'll definitely have seen it in the past is like, people snatching or jerks in particular and clerking jerks are missing snatches because they have some sort of fear or it looks like they have some sort of fear that's stopping them from doing it and then people not attempting heavy squats because of some sort of fear I think that's like the the two key examples that almost everybody will have seen like um, so there's the thing with the snatch is it's almost always an exposure thing or in my experience, like with coaching people and with seeing people lifting, it's almost always that people haven't been exposed to having heavy weights thrown over their heads and then trying to catch them with their ass on the floor. 
it's something like you never ever come across outside of weightlifting now that's obviously not the excuse or imply that Dara's trying to say that you can just attempt any weights and you'll get better at them so you obviously have no. to have intelligent training yeah. you have to be in a place where you are able to do it so yeah. if it's you're, that's what the assumption obviously that your everything else is in place like your technique is correct your training is smart you're lifting these heavy weights in appropriate time like don't take the kind of don't take it away from this that you could just go attempt heavy weights yeah, and you'll yeah, get yeah. better at and attempting expose it. yourself to them more yeah like you'll, you'll know in those scenarios when you just need to get better at lifting heavy weights yeah as opposed to improving your weightlifting and then I think that's the other side of exposure so like exposure and experience are two very very similar things but experience is like having the knowledge or having gained the knowledge to understand that 95% felt like this so 102% is going to feel like X you know mm-hmm. or like uh 80 kilos moved like this so 85 kilos will probably be doable and i think that's experience where it's like with exposure exposure is just very much like the kind of the raw experience of something having happened to you like um and i think with the back squats in particular experience is much more of a thing like the feeling of a heavy weight in your back i think is what throws the vast majority of people off um and then there's different things that happen with a barbell when they get a lot heavier so like somebody might go from a 140 squat to a 160 or 180 squat and suddenly the bar starts to be bending a small bit and there's a little bit of whip um, and then as they walk it out it's a lot less stable whereas that would never have happened with 140 or 150 or 160 uh, and then that is like a thing of experience and just understanding that that will happen that was kind of one of the concepts we talked about in reverse the issues with uh, reverse linear progression or whatever was that you know you you just shit training <laughs> you just so if you saw our theory training video on the reverse linear progression you would have saw that we mentioned that psychologically you can't just attempt your heavy weights you can't start at the very very heavy weights and then work your way back down so like they will feel massively heavy but when you do a regular kind of uh, progression of weights or like linear progression you move through weights and you make jumps that facilitate you acclimatizing to these weights a little bit every week so there's no drastic change in intensity whereby when you unrack that weight it feels massively heavier yeah. than the last few weeks whereas every week you're adding like 5, 10, maybe 15 kilos you're acclimatizing yourself or whatever relevant percentages of your max every week you have kind of facilitated the week before by making those reps and you know that you should have some had some time to progress and your body's adapted a little bit and you are confident and then you're moving into the next week you're adding a little bit more so you're tempting beyond your limits but you feel confident because you made the weeks beforehand but you can't do that in reverse you can't yeah. just go for those heavy weights and then hope for something to happen I think that adds into like another video we've done in the last few months of like why not always 5x5 five five? like why just constantly doing the same reps or like people love 5x5 five five or they love 10s or whatever it is like that's why you can't always just keep doing the same reps because that thing of exposure and gaining experience and gaining exposure will mean that like I can put 40 kilos onto my five rep max and still going for something maybe only 10% heavier than that for a single will feel so vastly different. Like you do have to creep up in those weights. Um. So then if we look at fear and, and like being afraid or missing due to some sort of fear. So exposure and experience is usually how we get on beyond that. But in terms of the like the physiology of what fear looks like, what fear does to us, um. And then some ways that kind of, yeah, basically just some things leading on from that. Like 
fear is a very animalistic response. It's like the fight or flight mechanism. Um, it's a spiking of of probably epinephrine, of what most people will call adrenaline. Um, and then subsequent spiking in cortisol levels due to heightened anxiety from the fear. Uh, an important thing on fear is that like fear and the feeling of fear and you having that increased blood pressure, you're having increased heart rate, um, you're usually increasing your blood flow to like extremities. So you might have like uh, sweaty hands or you might have like there's a host of things that are happening and people might get jittery and shaky. These are all incredibly beneficial for sports performance uh, in the vast majority of cases. So if I'm going up to do a max squat or whatever, max deadlift snatch, uh, I want to have a heightened heart rate. I want my blood pressure to be higher. I want there to be increased blood flow to like vital muscle groups and extremities. I want all of these things that are happening because of fear to happen and like how you know that is most people take stimulants like caffeine um, or a vast range of stimulants to try and elicit that kind of physiological effect. Whereas a small bit of fear will do that to you very, very naturally. Um, and I think people oftentimes like before a competition, when you hear about people being nervous or when you hear people like afraid to go and attempt something, they have all this kind of list of, of symptoms, basically of fear and they always view them as a negative thing, like, oh, I need to calm down. I need to take deep breaths and drop my heart rate. Like, if it's at the right time and if it's controlled properly, that's the best thing that could ever fucking happen to you. Um, and, like, calming someone down, like, that kind of trying to, to peter out or trying to water down the effects that just a small bit of fear, so, like, a small bit of that fight-or-flight mechanism is doing like you're probably just going to have to ramp them up in four or five minutes afterwards. So if somebody's in the warm-up room and you're coaching them, or if you're an athlete in the coach, uh, or if you're an athlete in the warm-up room and you start feeling nervous and you start feeling those physiological effects, like your heart is thumping, your heart is thumping. That is correct. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Uh, you might be taking really shallow breaths, like unless you're at the stage whereby you're physically compromised, where you're about to piss or shit yourself. Uh, or you're feeling faint or dizzy or something along those lines. Like if you're just slightly elevated or like even significantly elevated, whereby there's just a small bit of a jitter in your hand. If it's like if it's a power sport, if it's weightlifting, powerlifting, whatever it is, CrossFit, these things are unbelievably beneficial towards you. And the last thing you should be doing is getting somebody to make you a cup of chamomile tea and rub your back, you know, like just hold on for the two minutes until your attempt is there. And it's going to stand to you like a hell of a lot better than any amount of deep breathing or mindfulness will do. Of course, like that is um, in scenarios then where you have, you want to give everything you have, like you want yeah. to commit all your resources to this particular endeavor that you're doing. So whatever, your max snatch, your third attempt attempt on the clean and jerk the platform or yeah. your max back squat. So there, you reserve that kind of intensity for scenarios where you absolutely need it so it's funny you remember um Konstantin Konstantinov I think he was the Latvian deadlifter you remember that fella that's kind of one of the first fellas to deadlift like 400 kilos really act just he, absolutely you'll know him as soon yeah, as you see yeah, him yeah. Um, so he I remember I think it was him and Misha Clive were talking about how they don't use caffeine yeah. until like competition days so they can like 
draw upon it or whatever that yeah, was, yeah, you know. Yeah. So like they're like ready to bring it. So like and then there's scenarios, you know, you don't want to be training at that scenario all the time, no. you know. So you want to be training most of the time, seventy, eighty percent of the time or more, where you're in a, f- a situation where you have almost not serenity, but it's very methodical when you're especially when you're learning to snatch and clean and jerk and, and as you get later on. So when you've a lot of sets to do, you want to be able to make meaningful changes at certain weights. So if let's say you're doing a lot of volume in your training and you want to do a lot of snatching or a lot of clean and jerking or you're doing you're doing a lot of benching and you have five by two or six by two or fucking five by three or whatever it is, doesn't matter. You want to be in a position where you can make the weights productively so you're putting they're heavy enough that these weights will have a positive impact in your one RM. But you don't want to be in a position where you're barely making them. You want to be in a position where you can relocate your elbows correctly in the bottom of the bench while still making that weight or you want to be able to make meaningful changes in the snatch when you're doing something like let's say for a few weeks ago I was snatching uh, in the high performance unit on the top of the hill here yeah and the I shed. the shed and uh, I did a 140 single and I leaned back a little bit too much at the top and so for example when I lean back too much at the top my feet movement my foot movement is a little bit sloppy so I looked at the video and now 140 is about 90% of 160. And in my head... That is so far off. <laughs> so I um, I wanted to make a, a productive change. So normally 140 would be kind of a weight where... Not that I get jittery, but it's kind of a, it's a heavy weight. It's a meaningful weight. So I was able to still have enough arousal that I could put the effort into 140 and treat it with respect. But at the same time... I was able to make a meaningful change. So if I was really hyped up there, if I was really kind of um, really intense about 140 and I just wanted to get it done, I was able to make a productive change at 140 so I was able to extend a little bit straight or not lean so back so much to the top. So I was still able to make the weight. I treated it with respect or whatever so it was still a weight that was productive. It was still it ne- still needed some intensity but I was able to, at the same time, balance kind of the arousal emotion mm. by making productive change which would hopefully then play on to when I go for heavier weights. Yeah, and I think that is something in in terms of like motor pattern recognition or like learning a new motor pattern. Like that optimum challenge point is something that everyone should be looking for in their training all the time. So like as Gurf is talking about, look, if it's way too easy and way too light every day, nobody's going to pay it any attention. It'll be super boring. It'll be like going for a jog with your grandmother. Uh, if it's too heavy all the time and every time you're going to the gym, you're like sweat coming out off your eyebrows before you even start training just oh shit I gotta miss all the lads are gonna take the piss out of me like that's that's way too far beyond in terms of the intensity of that uh, so it is like you do need to find that like butter zone um, in between too easy and too hard the so we talked about like fear and the physiological effect and the psychological effect of fear possibly being a positive um, and I think a way so like the time to tell someone this isn't when they're at nationals and they're in the warm-up room and they've missed their first attempt and they're about to go out for their second attempt and they're like, oh my God, I'm really nervous. The last thing you need to do is be like, well, Dara Fitz and Gurf and Seekersham back as said, the physiological effects you're feeling now are actually really beneficial. Um, but I, what, what I do think you should do is, as an athlete or as a coach working with an athlete, you should start talking about like, okay, say the the weight where the issue is is 100 kilos and just say look I know 100 kilos does have this kind of effect on you where you pull on it and you don't quite commit to it Um, like it's a lot better that you talk about that or that you 
reflect on that in your head um, and kind of just understand the feelings that you're having rather than just being like, no, 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 it'll be grand, it'll be grand, it'll be grand, miss 98 and then go for 100. You know, it's just dwell on these things a small bit and understand that everything that's happening is absolutely normal. There's nothing special about you clerking a certain weight. It's just something that will happen. You'll have to train beyond it. You'll have to kind of creep up on it again and then go for it. Like there is no magic fix here. It's just a mixture of exposure and experience. Obviously, you might get stronger. You might get faster or whatever or more skillful. Um, But the perspective you just have to frame it in is that like this is all on a kind of very one dimensional time frame and you don't tend to just keep going forward like you will go forward and back and forward and back and forward and back um so that's what i would say like frame that bring it into your training if it's something you're recognizing in your training now if it's something that you're struggling with in competition maybe you do need to start going for kind of heavier weights a small bit more frequently in training um resulting in lower volume overall with your normal training but going up and doing like a heavy Saturday once a month um, in a competition background or competition setting will give you that kind of necessary exposure. Experience then kind of, you know, doesn't have to be macro kind of 10 years of experience in the sport. It can be the confidence you've gained from the last four months of very productive training. So if you have a big competition, say like the end of this month and three months ago, you started your new training cycle, you set up a very useful training block and you knew these things would help you so your confidence going in and then every session goes phenomenal so every session is going exactly as it should you're hitting the weights you should be doing or near enough to them and every session is very productive so 98 95% of your sessions are good sessions and like that might mean a lot of different things that might mean just hitting the weights but better quality movement feeling good feeling everything everything's working so like that momentum you bring in plays a huge role in your level of confidence when you go into the, that competition, you know, so you have great confidence in your ability and that kind of dissipates some of the fear. So yeah. you'll still get that kind of heightened arousal that Fitz was talking about, but it's not so much, it's excitement to hit the weights rather than fear of missing, you know, so there's there, yeah. there are similar psychological processes or physiological processes, but your psychology about what's happening is is a lot different. Like, so when you're, you, you're coming out to do 100 and you've hit 95 for 20 singles in the last month like you know you're able to do this and they're feeling good whereas if you're missing 98 times the last week it's fear at the 100 rather than confidence you know so like give yourself that give yourself that ability to be confident and excited about your training or your competition from productive training you know yeah I think the other thing you can kind of get a positive effect from experience is like the experience doesn't have to be just related to that sport or just that training modality you know if you're somebody who was always into long distance running and now you've gone into crossfit or whatever the sport is that you've kind of transferred into like draw on your previous experiences um like razi erasmus the south african rugby coach uh like really good coach some kind of strange views but he had an interesting quote about like experience and how sort of asking about like the anxiety or the nervousness around a World Cup final. And he was saying like, I don't know, was it fear or did he call it anxiety? But he was saying like, for South Africans, fear isn't losing a rugby match. He's like, for South Africans, fear is losing your job or fear is your mother being murdered. So then you just get like, obviously the journalist is thrown back into a seat like as fast as possible. But the, like, 
the realms of possibility of things that can go wrong inside in the gym are fairly small, right? Besides a catastrophic injury, which are incredibly rare, mm-hmm. most of the time you get owies on your knees and your thumbs, your back might get a bit tight. But in the overall remit of all the other things that can go wrong in your life, you lifting a barbell or not lifting a barbell isn't this huge wave in your life. Like, Gareth, I'm sure when you snatched 150 for the first time, it wasn't this big, life-changing, pivotal moment. No, I was pretty happy. <laughs> for five minutes, and then the feeling went away. But it is, like, draw on previous experiences, draw on other places you have confidence. And then the last place you can draw on is other times when you felt fear or anxiety like that, uh, and the things you did to kind of dissipate that or possibly to challenge channel that fear or anxiety a small bit more effectively I think the last thing then about fear is that sometimes fear is very very warranted in a training setting so if I'm like if I'm walking back with a barbell that's 20 kilos heavier than any barbell I've touched for the last two months and the bar is kind of gyrating and I'm struggling to be able to to brace my core in a way whereby the bar is stationary before I start a squat or if I'm just getting set up for my snatch and I'm saying Jesus Christ there's no way I'm going to be able to lift this off the ground like a lot of the time your subconscious is a hell of a lot better at processing your ability than your conscious mind is and there's there's times in which we can trick it and say like ah fuck it we'll just go for it anyway but a lot of the time that we clerk lifts like snatches clean and jerks or squats or whatever we're subconsciously limiting ourselves because of the fact that our body might not be fully capable of accepting the weight overhead or completing the squat in its fullest. And I think in in times like that, it is very important to listen to the kind of the flight mechanism rather than the fight mechanism. Um, and just to say, OK, like this, this isn't ideal. Maybe I'm going to miss this for a reason. I'm just going to leave them with one last thing, right? Go on. So when you think about why you're afraid of a lift, so when you're, you are aware you're afraid of a lift when you go for it, okay? So you're yeah. afraid of that lift. You, like we mentioned, you're not afraid of getting hurt. Most people realistically aren't afraid of getting hurt. What? <laughs> Unless they're a loser. They're afraid of missing the weight, you know, they're worried. Yeah. They want to make this very badly. So then you think about when you get injured, what are most athletes, what's their biggest fear when they're injured? Not, not being able to make weight. Exactly. They're not afraid of the pain. Yeah. When, when you get injured, you're not afraid of um, you're not afraid of being sore. You're not afraid of that pain. Most athletes don't have a problem with the pain. You know, like you tear your arm bite or you destroy your ACL or yeah. something. Most athletes aren't afraid of the pain every day. They have zero problem with that pain. Like from amateur to elite, there is no yeah. issue with that pain. So when you think about don't be afraid of weights that you can make because you're not afraid of getting injured. You're afraid of not making them, and being afraid of not making them is a surefire way of not making them. But you know what you should really be afraid of getting injured and then definitely not being able to make weights <laughs> so don't get injured and make them yeah um yeah i pocket i've come across very very few like athletes mm-hmm. like i've definitely coached people in a yeah. gym setting in like a crossfit gym or a certain conditioning gym who were just afraid of everything yeah but like i wouldn't class those as athletes but like i can't think of any athletes i've coached that were genuinely afraid of the pain of a barbell hitting them or not being able to make a squat. Yeah. Uh, to their detriment a lot of the time. Sometimes people lack confidence as opposed to being afraid to. 
Yeah. Sometimes it's not that they're so much afraid, they just really don't think they can make that weight. Yeah. Which is a different kind of thing. It's funny. You like like I think that is anxiety then, like too. Yeah. That's it's like state anxiety. It's not like anxiety in inverted commas. Yeah. With a capital A. But it is like they're just fucking anxious because they're afraid. Like I think bodybuilders ever get anxious about a session. I feel like they wouldn't. I'd say they get so anxious about like their belly fat levels. Yeah, a different kind of fear. Yeah. Like waking up in the morning or like waking up at four o'clock in the morning and be like <gasps> dreaming they were eating Mars bears. Like they they ever go into a session, they're like, These preacher curls, oh my god, I'm really afraid of these. These are gonna I hurt have so no much. Idea. They probably they might like they probably do it leg sessions, maybe. Do you see with Israel and those boys? Yeah. Their fucking leg sessions are horrendous. I haven't watched them now, but I've seen the I've the, just seen the like the the thumbnail. Outcast. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like or what happens in the Instagram stories after off the leg press. Yeah. It's probably not great. And they're like lying in the recovery position vomiting. Like, sorry, no, I would be afraid of that pain. They probably should be afraid of it. Yeah. They must get anxious. They must do. Oh, they have to. Obviously, they get anxious and have like the body dysmorphia issues that yeah. a the, lot of That like led them to classes. do this, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It is literally a sport of body dysmorphia. But yeah, uh, sure look. in terms of fear of actual pain, they surely do. I yeah, know. they must do. If any bodybuilders are listening, let us know. Yeah, because uh, Lord knows we ain't. Uh, thanks very much for listening. This is going to be on the new podcast schedule. So will we throw this up today? Yeah. And then Aaron's is going up next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is up today. Thanks very much for listening. As always, if you want more content, there's loads of stuff on the YouTube page. So it's just Seek Your Strength uh, YouTube. Yep, you'll find it. And on Instagram as well. Uh, if you're a member on one of the programs, be sure to be on the Facebook members page. So it's just Seek a Strength members page. Uh, and that's it. We'll be back again next Thursday. Any questions in the meantime or anything you want a podcast about, just pop us an email. Just seekastrength.gmail.com or else pop, up, pos, pop us a DM mm-hmm. on Instagram. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.